previously on the Simply Human Podcast. Every time that we have you on, we'd like to just hear a little bit about uh, your life and things, how they were back uh, in cave in cave times. Um, what what? I mean, how they are? In, how they are to you? To you? The, I'm sorry, and that, that's good. You've really come a long way with uh, learning your, your tenses. Um, what? <laughs> What um what did you have for breakfast, Rick the Cave? <laughs> it's episode eight of the Simple Human Podcast with your host, me, Mark Rogers, a human being being human. My goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it's well-known podcaster John Smith of the Fit Fat Fast Podcast. Then it's another hilarious edition of the Humans Being Human segment with a return visit from my brother Jeff. Today's story is probably the worst haircut story you will ever hear in your entire life. And we'll wrap up with our Simply Human tip of the week. You can find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. There will be links to the Facebook page and YouTube channel there. Also link to the Simply Human Kids page. Follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52. You can email questions, comments, concerns to simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. So, without further ado, here's John Smith talking to me about being skinny fat, being vegan, becoming unvegan, Ironman racing, yes, pooping, how to get into a nightclub, breast milk, and staying positive. Enjoy this. All right, joining us on the line of the Fit Fat Fast podcast. I did it. Fit Fat Fast podcast. Say uh, that 10 times real yeah, fast. Yeah, I know. It's hard. Uh, the great John Smith, good friend of mine, and uh, just so glad that he had some time to come on the Simply Human podcast. And uh, actually, it's kind of funny. John and I were both, you know, we spoke, I don't know, what, maybe like a year ago, and we were both vegans. And now we like text pictures to each other of like boiled <laughs> like, yeah, like pork like cooking in the oven. Like I had a pound of heart for dinner tonight. So it's like, yeah, things have things have changed. So we're gonna get to that. But John, just tell my tens of listeners um, sort of who you are and and uh, what your background is. Well, uh, I, I don't know about the great part, but I appreciate the introduction. <laughs> that's very nice of you. Um, my name is John Smith, and that's that's really my name. And uh, I live, <laughs> uh, I live down in the deep south, down in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. And I have been a uh, an endurance athlete as a hobby for probably about thirteen or fourteen years now. I was a uh, I was a uh, standard, you know, garden variety athlete throughout high school, and then put uh, some weight on in college, and decided to uh, to um, get into running first 5k's and 10k's in marathons after college to kind of you know let's 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 put the <laughs> let's put the kibosh on that and it, it worked you know I, I i exercised pretty pretty regularly and started running marathons and uh you know ran ran the houston marathon a couple times and and uh chicago marathon a couple times and was enjoying that and then started to get into triathlon and uh i kind of give you that realize i'm about to give you a very long story so i'll cut it i'll cut it brief uh, but in 2003, uh, I opened up my own retail business, the wine business. I'd been, I was in the wine business for about 16 years, and uh, also got married that same year. And the marathons kind of slowed down a little bit, and uh, the business got busy. 
And I was actually still training for an Ironman, but just between my wife about to have our first child and my business really, really, really just getting busy, I had to dump out of training for that. So here it was. I was in really pretty good shape, um, albeit following a diet that, as I look back, could have probably been the worst possible thing to eat for training for an endurance event. And the training I was doing was pretty bad as well. Uh, but you know, nevertheless, I was still three-fourths or two-thirds, whatever it was, of the way through training for an Ironman, have a child, and then Hurricane Katrina hits. And uh, my business was under several feet of water. My, my wife and I were relocated to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I bought another business there. And from August of 2005 to, let's call it, December 31st of 2008, I put on about 100 pounds. And, uh, yeah, don't, not, don't everybody gasp at once. Uh, so a short <laughs> amount of time. Um, I, I tried Everybody's like, yeah, that happened to me too. That, that, that happens to more and more people nowadays. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so I remember there, I, was, I remember being in my bathroom, looking in the mirror, uh, New Year's Eve, you know, when, when you have, when you have uh, children three and one, you know, New Year's Eve takes on a whole different <laughs> definition than it, than it had it taken previously in my life. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm looking, uh, I'm looking at myself in the bathroom mirror like, holy hell, what, what has become of me? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there looking shirtless, and I just couldn't believe the person that I was looking at in the mirror. Because in my mind's eye, I had always been that endurance athlete. And I just I, I kept saying to myself the whole time, I'm, I'm 110K away from getting back into it. I'm 110K away from getting back into it. Well, the problem is I never ran the 10K. You know, yeah. I, never, I never put on the shoes. I, never, I didn't even know if they were in the closet or not. I, I, I couldn't. You know, for me to squeeze into my running shorts would have been like, you know, making sausage. And so, <laughs> hey, you're making me hungry. Come on now. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I um, uh, actually I had a good snack before I came on. So uh, I quickly hurried up and ate some uh, some uh, red pepper slices dipped in homemade mayonnaise. There so you go. Really Perfect. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment to myself. I'm going to lose all this weight. I'm going to take it off because I know how. I'm going to get back into sports and. And, uh, and I'm going to save, you know, I'm, I'm going to save my life, basically. So here it was. I was, as we say in the South, a biscuit shy of 300 pounds and, uh, and started to get out and started to exercise that year. And just it wasn't coming off. And, you know, I, I, I lost a little bit here and there. Uh, but, I, you know, maybe gone from 298, I think, was my highest. That morning, January 1st, I stepped on the scale, was 298. You were like half a biscuit away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was ha half a biscuit and maybe a, I would say a pat of butter, but that wouldn't have hurt me. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, the butter by itself. The jelly. Uh, jelly. Yeah. Pro provided it was grass-fed butter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, long story short is that I started training and I signed up for a half Ironman because, you know, I can't sign up for a 5K. You know, I've got to sign up for a half Ironman. And uh, as miserable as it was, I did it, trained for it diligently, and did it at probably about 265, 270 pounds or so. Wow. And I look at myself in the finish line pictures and the race pictures of that race, and I am the fat triathlete that finishes in eight hours for a half Ironman. Yeah. And so that, you know, there's a, been kind of a common theme in my athletic life the last few years that you, you, you make health in the kitchen, not on the training course. And looking back now, 
nothing, nothing uh, shows that to be the case more than the training for that race. Because if you look at the caloric expenditure that I did training for that race, I should have lost a lot more than the 25 or 30 pounds. Now, look, that was a great, that was a great loss. Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, the getting going from 298 to 270 or so is a great loss, but I, I worked a lot harder for that race. And then, you know, I said, you know what, I've, I've got to, I've got to figure out another way. There's got to be another way to be healthy. And at the time I was hearing a lot about this guy. Uh, he was this like off the radar guy at the time, not the, not the uh, media phenomenon that he is now. This guy, Rich Roll, who I'm sure everybody's heard of. Right. And, uh, I, I like the guy a lot. I think he's a the vegan poster child. Um, I, I, anyway, so I, found out about Rich Roll, and there was this podcast called Zen and the Art of Triathlon, guy not too terribly far from you, uh, who was also talking about the benefits of a plant-based diet, and uh, I thought, you know what, that's it, I'm going to go vegan, and I went vegan, and I lost a bunch of weight, so I got down to about 190 which was kind of back where my fighting weight was. So I've always been a bigger guy. Like even, even in my slimmest and most felt, I still have a big barrel chest. I'm just, it's genetics. At, right. at six, at, I'm, you know, I'm from, a, I'm from an East Texas beef family. We have, <laughs> I know? think we have a very similar like, body type. At uh, six yeah. feet tall and 185 pounds, I am the smallest man in my family. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so, so anyway, so I, I, I go on this vegan diet. And uh, lose a bunch of weight, but I'm still skinny fat. My my body composition is not right, and I'm still having struggles. I, I started to do Ironmans. I did Ironman uh, Florida, did Ironman uh, Louisville as a vegan, and I'm I'm still having struggles. And I'm having uh, also to just eat an inordinate amount of calories to fuel myself on training. And so then I'm thinking. And, and, and also, for the second Ironman, I started to calorically deprive myself in, in order to figure, well, calories in, calories out, I'm just going to monitor that, and therefore, I'll lose all this fat, and so I won't be skinny fat anymore, I'll just be skinny. And it didn't work. And so, I went through about two and a half years of that, of being a vegan and really cleaning up my diet, and, and you know, I wasn't the guy that ate the vegan donuts or the the Boca burgers or any of that nonsense. I mean, I recognize, I'm smart enough to recognize that junk food is junk food regardless of how you package it. If it's it. vegan or gluten-free or whatever. Well, yeah, whatever yeah just because you go vegan or gluten-free or whatever, whatever dietary restriction you want to put, it doesn't mean that you replace it with the, you know, the vegan version of that. Right. Yeah, you know, like there's another guy out there, Vinny Tortorich, who says you got to put life into living. You know, yeah, have the donut every once in a while. You know, come on. Yeah. And, but, you know, don't make it all the time. It, make it very rarely. But it also doesn't mean that you have to go out and replace all this stuff in your diet with, you know, it doesn't, just because it's vegan or gluten-free doesn't mean that it is automatically healthy. Yeah. A donut is still a donut. Anyway, so I, uh, I, I kind of finished the, um, I, I, I started, for, in, for the, the whole time I was gaining my weight, uh, part of it is that I was, Trying, I, I bought a, a, a wine shop and a liquor store. Actually, the liquor store where I used to buy liquor in college. I went to LSU. <laughs> nice. And, uh, every I had every college ultimate, student's dream. Right, exactly. <laughs> if you had told me when I was in there, you know, in 1990, whatever, that I'd own this place one day, I'm like, no, really? Sweet. <laughs> I can drink anything in here for free. 
<laughs> and then you would anyway, be dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but all my employees were 21, 22 years old, and all the places where I used to eat in college were still open. And so they were like, hey, we're going to George's to pick up lunch. You want anything? And I'm, instead of saying, yeah, let me have the chicken salad, I'd say, yeah, let me have the double cheeseburger po' boy and the jalapeno cheese fries. Right. You know, you want that small it's or large? Just one oh, time. Give me a large. Yeah. And give me some gravy too on top of that, you know? <laughs> so I, I was trying to eat, I was stress eating from the hurricane, and I was also trying to eat like I was 21 again. And, um, and so because of the way I was just, I mean, you don't put a hundred pounds on a body of a man in his mid thirties and it be healthy. Right. I was, I was sick a lot. Uh, one t- right after my daughter was born in 2006, I got walking pneumonia, which, you know, is the sickest probably I've ever been, but I was plagued by, by colds and the flu and, and all sorts of aches and pains. When I was training for that uh, half Ironman, being as big as I was, I was uh, I had to wear a chopat to keep my left kneecap up because I had patellar tendonitis because just every joint in my body was just so swollen and miserable. And so, that sounds fun. Well, <laughs> wow, you might have to edit that out. I, I caught myself. <laughs> I caught myself. Um, it's a still, it's still a family-friendly podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so... When I switched over to a vegan diet, I noticed instantly that I didn't have colds, I didn't have the flu, the aches and pains went away, that, that all this stuff, it's like the skies opened up, and I'm like, oh, this is health. The answer, yeah. What, you know, what, it, what I didn't think of, that I wasn't putting all this processed crap in my body anymore. Yeah. And just by virtue of that, just by getting leafy greens, I mean, I was just, just my vegan diet wasn't just the absence of meat. It was the addition of good leafy greens, of good vegetables. I discovered things I'd never cooked with before. I discovered nuts and seeds that I'd never had before. But at the same time, I was also taking oils out of my diet slowly to save calories. Um, I wasn't getting any good fats. And so, what started to happen to me over time is kind of it was kind of a bell curve effect, Mark, and that is to say that you know at the bo- I was at the bottom of the bell curve, uh, starting in just miserable health, and then my health really went up and it really got great. I started to lean out and just the inflammation kind of went away, and uh, and my health started to be really good. Uh, my, my I could tell when my my body was my body was responding really really well to all this food. I don't want to get graphic about it, but you have a great biofeedback device every morning, and that is a frankly a good healthy poop. And it's, you know I don't I don't want to go down. Well, let, let, let's go there because I had diarrhea for eighteen straight months, and <laughs> yeah, thought that was normal. So, so I mean, if you're not if you're uh, to quote Ben Greenfield, if you're not taking a big glorious healthy poop in the morning, something's wrong. And I like, squat. Like, I squat yeah. like a caveman to poop. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I, I, the good thing about having a three-year-old at the uh, at the house that potty trains is she has this little step up. Yeah. And so, so I basically get to like this little like like catcher stance, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so my girls they actually want to squat now because they know that when they do, if they're having trouble with anything, that solves the problem, and it all comes out, and they feel great. And so, like they're you know their grandma was like. Look, they, they, she, she wants to squat. What is it? And I was like, yeah, yeah it's cool. Yeah, yeah, let her put her feet up on the thing. It's fine. And you know, they were looking at me like I'm crazy, but it works. That's natural. Like as as long as we're going down this path, uh, <laughs> when when I, I got really crazy about it, and I took my daughter's training potty, and I figured I'd just use that because you uh, talk about really squatting. And um, all I, all I needed was one miss to realize that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> So yeah, or some splash factor. Uh, yeah, that yeah. Exactly. So anyway, you, you li- live and learn. 
simply <laughs> human. Anyway, so so you have this great biofeedback device every morning to tell you if you're healthy or not. And I, I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, it was, I mean, I, I was, I was going, going great. You know, just I could tell my body was an efficient machine. And then kind of get the top of the bell curve and it kind of starts to go down. I started to notice some more aches and pains. I started to notice that I was getting sick again. And I, at the time, I was training for an Ironman, so I figured, that, well, that's just it. You know, just my body's broken down. I need to get more, you know, I need to need to put more kale in my smoothie. I need to put more maca root in my smoothie. I need to, you know, I need to drink more herbal tea. I just, I, I, I need to, you know, I need to get more antioxidants in. You know, I'm not getting enough vitamin D. So, you know, and, and I started to attribute it to all this, you know, to, to the training. But what I didn't realize was that in the process of this vegan diet, that I was not getting essential proteins. I was not getting uh, essential fatty acids. I was not getting things that I needed. And there are people out there that can live a complete life on a vegan diet. Every single body, every single person is different. I'm not one of those people. Most people aren't that type, <clears throat> that type of person. And so, right, you know, the, the, the great thing that you can do as an athlete Every athlete is fantastic at lying to themselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the hardest, the, har- the you know, there's a quote that I'm going to stumble on, but it's, you know, the only thing harder than running is not running. And the worst thing that you can tell a runner is you're injured, don't run. And yeah. so here it is. I'm in the lead up. I'm in the taper down to my Ironman Louisville. And I was so calorically depleted. I was so depleted of essential fatty acids. I was so depleted of so many essential nutrients and minerals in my diet that I developed a respiratory infection. And it was as debilitating as that walking pneumonia that I'd had when I was 300 pounds. And I went to a doctor and I got a, an inhaler and I, and a, a, I didn't want to take an antibiotic because, you know, I didn't want to interrupt the gut flora. You know, I was all doing all this kombucha and I didn't want to interrupt the gut flora in my body. And so what I wound up doing was racing Ironman Louisville with a respiratory infection. Is that the one where you were like clinging to a raft, like right yeah, out of the gate and trying yeah, to cough it, up? Yeah, it took and all me. That. Yeah. It took me forever to. I could not breathe underwater, yeah. so I basically swam for two hours, unable to breathe. Uh, I rode a bike for eight hours, unable to breathe, or nine hours, uh, seven hours rather, unable to breathe. And um, it wasn't eight hours; it was seven hours. Uh, but like, like it matters. Um, <laughs> but, but I love um, like the athlete, like I the competitive missed, athlete missed, in you is still like no, no, no. no it was seven. It was seven. Wait, wait, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna look, look it up. Let me look it up. <laughs> look. Um, anyway, so I, I finished that race. Easily the most miserable day of my life, but I still crossed the finish line of an Ironman. But I knew something was up, and so I went out looking for for other answers. And that's when I kind of stumbled upon the principles of what's, what's called metabolic efficiency. And, if, you know, I think that in the last year alone, it's come a long way towards being a mainstream principle. But even a year ago, it was a real kind of like, you know, like underground, like you don't really talk about it, and it's this weird thing. And basically what it is, it is a theory that says that human beings are fat burning machines by their by their their your composition but what happens is is that the standard diet the modern diet the modern athletic diet introduces an abnormally large amount of carbohydrate into your diet and what that does is that triggers this 
ocean of insulin into your body so that you have these elevated insulin levels all the time. And when the sugar is burned out, the insulin is still there. And insulin is a needy SOB and will scream for for more food because it has it, it just doesn't go away on its own. And so that's why you can have the, the orange juice and the bagel for breakfast at 7 o'clock, and by 9 o'clock you're starving because the insulin is still sending signals that you're hungry, right? Where, yeah, and, and whereas if you're metabolically efficient, you have some fat in the morning, and you it's 4 o'clock, and you're like, oh, I haven't eaten. Right, because right. you know you have, at, at most, the, at, like completely topped off, you have 2,000 calories of carbohydrate in your body. You may have, like the Kenyan that wins the marathon may have 80,000 or more calories of fat in his, <clears throat> in his body. I know I have a lot more than that. Right, yeah. so, so we are designed you know, it, the, we, we are designed to have these pleasure receptors in our brains that when we eat something sweet, we know it's a nice little burst of fruit. So we're the caveman walking along, and all of a sudden we stumble upon an orange tree and like, oh, look, some fruit. Let's some, all eat yeah, some, fruit. some rare fruit. There aren't yeah. orange trees all over the place, right? Right, and so you get. The, so that's why you get that that, that that pleasure sensation. Well, you know, if you go to the Circle K while you're pumping gas and you get a 32 ounce Coke, well, you know, that's that, that's more sugar than the human body is designed to be able to process in a week. Right. You know. So, but those same pleasure receptors hit, and the insulin spikes up abnormally comes back down and leaves you crashing and, and angry and irritable and wanting more. But, but more importantly, it has shut off your body's ability to burn fat and it's taken the excess calories and it's stored it as fat. And we can get into the, the fat storage thing, but just to get back to, to, the, to the story. So the other thing I introduce is I introduce into my diet essential fatty acids and protein. And let me tell you, my body at one point, when, it, when I started doing the research, and I'm like, all right, am I about to undo two and a half years of staunch veganism for this? And my body said, eat meat, eat meat. My wife and I were at this uh, Vietnamese restaurant. There's a huge Vietnamese restaurant community in, uh, in, in New Orleans. And there's this place, and they have a really good vegan menu on this, in this Vietnamese restaurant. And they also have this plate of, uh, of stir-fried pork ribs. And it's uh, pretty darn good. And I sat down and I said, "I'll have the uh, the, the spare pork ribs, please." And the whole and, place was like, <gasps> and people like yeah. dropped their forks and well, knives, and the music my, stopped. My wife looked at me as if I told her I wanted to have a sex change operation. <laughs> she, I mean, she was just sitting there, mouth agape. She's like, "You are about to eat a plate of pork spare ribs." I'm like, "Yes, I am," and you can't have any either. <laughs> yeah, you can't stop me. <laughs> and I figured, you know, I figured, look, this is going to go one way or the other. This is going to make me as sick as you know what, and I'll know that it was a wrong choice, or it'll make me happy. And and I was so happy and elated by eating that, that in a way I hadn't been. And here's what I realized, and here's the thing that I hadn't admitted to myself, that when I was on the down bell curve of that uh, of, the, of the vegan diet, I started to become irritable and depressed. And now that I realize what was going on, I look at a lot of vegans and it the light went off. I'm like, that's what's happening. Yeah. What happens in a vegan diet is that your main source of protein is beans. 
But because there's a four-to-one ratio of carbohydrate to protein, you're always in an, in a, in an insulin deficit uh, with, you know, with adding too much insulin to your diet when you eat this. And so the protein doesn't get a chance to do what it's supposed to do. When you get good protein from pastured animals or, or especially beef, uh, but pastured animals, pork, uh, poultry, whatever, you know, as long as it's a natural source, then what happens is that it releases an amino acid tryptophan. And tryptophan, you know, it's kind of like people like to giggle about it. It's the thing that, you know, in Turkey that you eat it, it makes you sleepy at Thanksgiving. That, that's not the case. That's in fact, you eat, you know, five pounds of it. Uh, but yeah, that's, tryptophan, a, that's a volume trypt- issue. That's trypt- not a- tryptophan uh, just goes right across the blood-brain barrier and turns into serotonin, which is the thing that gives you pleasure in your brain. If you are, de- if you are denying yourself this, then you are not getting naturally from food those high levels or those normal levels, I guess, of serotonin. And it can cause a form of depression. Uh, Suppressed serotonin in your brain will absolutely make you feel depressed, irritable, and angry. So, you know, I'm not going to paint every vegan into a corner. And and certainly, if anybody's listening to this and they're vegan, I, I respect you and I respect your decision. Everybody has to make their own decision. But the chemistry of the brain is what it is. Right. You know, it's the chemistry of the brain doesn't care about morality. It cares about serotonin and, 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 and pleasure receptors. And so as soon as I started eating that meat again, it was like the skies opened up. And I started to think clearly and the irritability and the depression that I had that I was starting to feel but didn't know where it was coming from went away. And and. All these things, all the conjugated linoleic acids from butter mm. and, and, uh, and animal meat, all the essential fatty acids, all the, the medium-chain triglycerides from coconut oil and MCT oil, uh, we're all doing – all these things do is make the brain feel good. Everything in your brain is coated in fat. All the nerve endings, everything. Your brain is a big, fat organ. And so it's good and to so, eat brain. Mm. Yeah, so uh, so things that you can do to add chemicals to your brain in a in a positive way to cross that blood brain barrier are good, and that's why you know the, you, people hear about the bulletproof coffee, which has got butter, grass fed butter, and medium chain triglyceride oil. Well, what that does that just barrels right through your brain, turns on, <coughs> flips the switch. Excuse me, <coughs> flips the switch of your fat burning receptors, and makes you feel great. Because it releases all the, it, it basically allows your brain to use fat as its fuel and not sugar. You know, so I, you're not, so you don't have that crash. And all the terpenoids in the coffee, it, it, it enhances them because it says, "Come on along the ride, you know, come on in the club with us, you know, <laughs> we're 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 we're, the, uh, we're gonna get past the bouncer because you know we got fat and we're going into a fat brain and you can just come along with us." Yeah, like butter is like the hot chick in the in the line at the club. Right. <laughs> like you can just hey, That's go cool. with her. Yeah. That's great. But I uh, yes. my my wife is uh, giving birth in the morning actually uh, to my son, and so I'm about to have an unlimited resource of MCT oil uh, from her breast milk. So I'm really looking forward to putting that into my bulletproof coffee. Jokes, everybody! Jokes for crying out loud! I'm kidding. Look, it's uh, <laughs> you know, but but at the same time, it's it's you're not. I mean, you're not kidding because if if this was wrong, if if what metabolic efficiency and if what the principles of metabolic efficiency and the principles of fat adaptation breast milk wouldn't be mainly fat 
breast yeah. milk is is the highest human breast milk is the highest fatty concentration of any animal milk on the planet. Yeah. And most of the fats in breast milk are medium chain <coughs> excuse me medium chain triglycerides. They are medium chain fats because that is what the brain loves as its source of fuel. And you know all these formulas that come in with soy that all that does, all the soy does is it stunts the body's absorption of fats. So, you know, you want your baby to have a small, you know, a smaller brain or, or a slower development of your brain, feed your baby a limited fat, heavy soy formula. And, you know, it's, it's human breast milk is the perfect developmental beverage. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure it would make a hell of a cup of bulletproof coffee. I know, and I got I I, I say jokes like really quickly, but like in the back of there. yeah, in the back of my mind, I'm like I really like I already asked I asked my wife if I could like take some of her breast milk, ferment it, and make like a whey, like lacto fermented like chutney or something. Like you wow. know, and she's like is... she's like looking at me like I'm crazy, and like I'm kind of laughing, and I'm like, but, uh, but really, I can can I do that or okay? No, just kidding. I was just kidding. No, I was just kidding. Things things I can't go into on my own podcast, but I'm happy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm happy to I'm happy to get the uh, the floor dirty here. Yeah. Well, and I, you know maybe we're coming up on time. I, I, there's a couple of questions I want to make sure to ask, and there's seven. God, more. I feel like we just got started. I know there's like seven more questions, so maybe you, I can I can hold quick like, fire. Yeah. Well, I can like. Uh, we can do this like the beginning of the year because I've got some guests lined up and maybe we can revisit, kind of have you back on like in January, February or something and we can revisit some of the stuff that we get into because I want to talk to you about get ki- what, what kids eat, you know, uh, where can somebody start and in, in your endurance training and more about Bulletproof Coffee and all that. But two questions. First one is, in your opinion, what are the fundamentals? Like, you know, you, you play football or, or basketball and like you go to training camp and you and you practice the fundamentals of the sport. What are the fundamentals of being a human, a homo sapien? You know, the the fundamentals is being happy and gracious. And I know that it sounds kind of cliche, but every single morning, and, and this is something I do every single morning, and <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a little cough there. Um, when I, I swing my, my legs out of bed in the morning, and before I plant them on the ground, I think of, I, I, I say a gracious thought, and I just think a happy thought because I don't want my feet to hit the ground in the morning with me in a bad mood. Right. I, ne- I make certain that even if I do wake up and I'm, I'm tired or I'm irritable or whatever, I'll take a second and say, look, maybe that thought can come back to me later in the day. But for right now, when my feet hit the floor, I'm going to I'm gonna thank God and heaven above for the day that I have, for the ability to get out of bed and just be happy and just start your day in a happy mood. Even if that rubber band snaps back, we're humans. It's going to happen. Right. But the key to being a human is to be thankful and happy, and and make yourself be thankful and happy even when you're not. That's great. You know, and I, I document that on my on my website, simplyhumanlifestyle.com. I have the enjoy section every day, and and that's where I sort of publicly write down four or five things every day that I'm grateful for. It just kind of gets you started off on the right foot. So I think that's a great place to start. And, and you know, and, and, and as an aside to that, there's, a, you know, we, we develop these neurological pathways. And if you start having negative thoughts or happy thoughts, whatever thoughts they are, they all start firing down the same pathways. And, and you know, and uh, thoughts that, that fire together, wire together, as they say. And I have a kind of a mental image that when I'm having a negative thought and I'm getting pleasure from having the negative thought, like I'm thinking about, you know, my my uh, the, the neighbor that, you know, 
dumped his trash over in my yard and didn't pick it up. I'm thinking about him getting run over by a bus. I'm starting to get happy thinking about that. <laughs> I actually envision an electrical cord getting unplugged from a plug. I'm like, and I say to myself, unplug that thought because yep. it's not it's not supposed to make you happy. <laughs> and so you have to recognize when you're about to go into a tailspin of negativity and just you know it's it, whether it's just a little quick device like that, you know, just unplug it, but. That, that's what you've got to do. Yeah. And now kind of moving moving into the next question, sort of uh, piggybacks off of that, and this is something that I try to ask everybody on the show, is what is one thing, and it doesn't have to do with food or nutrition or training or anything, but what is one thing that you just really enjoy about life or something that you do that, to make life more enjoyable? You know, I'll tell you, I'll answer the second question first. The thing that I do to make life more enjoyable is, and again, I don't mean to sound ethereal or or uh, or kitschy, but I remind myself every day that life truly is a miracle. You know, there, there's so much stuff around us that we take for granted because, especially, you know, in, in modern society and in America, a lot of us kind of have the same routine. We try and break it up, but by and large, we kind of live in the same bubble all the time, mm-hmm. and we, we we gloss over the details. And there's a great podcast I listen to called 99% Invisible. And it's an, actually, it's an architecture podcast. But the theme of the show is that nothing is an accident. Like, like nothing is put there by accident. Everything is put there in modern society for a reason. But it's all, most of it is 99% invisible because people just look right past it. And so I try and be, make myself aware that, that every day is truly a miracle. And like if you're in a bad mood, and this is not an original thought by me, I heard this, but I, I can't remember who I heard it from, but I heard it, and, and I do it all the time, and it's great. If, I get, if I'm on my car or at my desk or wherever, and I'm just, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not aware, like I'm, I'm getting in a bad mood, I'll look at my, my I'll, I'll stick my index finger out, and I'll curl it. And then you think about everything that had to happen to make that action possible. And it puts it all in perspective. And again, it just it, it brings it back. And so just just kind of being aware. Another thing that I do, and I, I know I'm kind of going off like a fire hose here, but being aware and appreciative of other people around you. There's a little there's a little trick that I like, or a little game that I like to play that makes me recognize and engage with people more. Is that at the end of the day when I'm driving home, sometimes I try and recall what everybody in my office was wearing. <laughs> and I know that sounds stupid, but how often, you know, think about it. If you're listening to this podcast and you work in an office with people or you see, you engage with people in, uh, in, in the course of a day, think about what everybody you met with today was wearing. Did you pay attention to it or were you just glossing over it? Were you paying attention to their words, <clears throat> to their mood? And, and, and you th- then you think about if you can't remember the details like that about people that you interact with on a daily basis, what else in life did you miss that day? What? You know, did, did did you miss the chance to see a <clears throat> see a tree? You know, did you did you did you miss a chance to catch the beauty in something small? And so, being being certain that you're always aware that everything around you is a miracle, uh, and 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 everybody that you meet is important because they are they are all important. It doesn't matter who you meet. You know, those are things that make make human life livable. That's, that's why we're here. Yeah, a great example of that is, you know, my wife has been in the hospital for the last 80 days. And, you know, my four-year-old, you know, they come up to the hospital room and everything. Well, one day she comes walking in, and the nurse was standing. It just happened to come in, and, and Halen said, uh, why is this curtain different? And I looked at her like, 
were you nuts? Like it's it's the same curtain, you know. And the nurse was like, no, they they just came in and changed it. Like it's it's like the same design and everything. It's like she noticed something different. I'm like, man, that is like amazing. Like a little kid, they're looking at wow, look at that design on that curtain, and look at the floor, how it's you know, like it's just so like sort of being more like a kid, you know. So. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, kind of just to carry that on. My three-year-old. Yet yesterday, we um, we had to uh, attend the funeral of my wife's grandfather. He was, you know, ninety-one years old, and, and, and God rest his soul. We should all hope to have the life he had. It was a, it was a more of a celebration than a sadness. But my three-year-old was asking, ev- she was asking every single logistical question about, you know, wh- is he in the hospital? How do you get to the funeral home? Who's going to dress him? Is he going to be naked? You know, yeah. everything like like you can just tell that she's like it's all input. And so, how often are we in our daily lives as inquisitive about things as this three year old is about the process of a funeral? Right. You know, and I don't want to you know compare a life to a funeral, right. but how often do we take a look at something and get as a, as adults and get really inquisitive about it and ask the basic simple questions to appreciate things at their base level yeah or or do we just gloss past it or you know have we become such a such a wikipedia society that we're incapable of an original thought without googling it right you know uh you know turn off i i, I turn off my uh my cell phone uh for all day on sunday you know the it gets me six days a week. It doesn't get me on Sunday. Yeah. You know, so, so those are things. I mean, the, the, to to help you engage in the environment around you, because one day you'll say, you know what? I really wish I paid more attention. Yeah. And that yeah, that's the whole key to this whole thing. It's like being reconnected to people around you, to the food around you, to everything around you. So yeah, you you want to have the best conversation with someone. You want to you want to have someone walk away saying, man, that guy was a fantastic conversationalist. Ask them nothing but questions about themselves. Right. You, you'll probably find out something interesting. And he, here it is. I've been talking about myself for 30 minutes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been great. It's but, been a great conversation. But you'll find out something really interesting about them, and they will walk away saying, that's a nice guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just showing, showing genuine interest in people uh, makes them think it reflects positively on you, and it you know makes you happy as well. Yeah, well, that's that's a great uh, place to end, and uh, I really appreciate your time. I'm gonna have links to, and I'll mention it like in the intro uh, of the show, uh, where everybody can find you and about the Fit Fat Fast podcast and all that good stuff. So, John, I really appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. You can listen to the Fit Fat Fast podcast anywhere podcasts are available. I'll have a link to his show in the show notes. And now it's time for the Humans Being Human segment. You remember my brother Jeff and his story about that mysterious bottle that was left in his apartment. Well, he's back. And he has a story that you will not only never forget, you will retell. And at the very least, we'll have nightmares about for a long time. Here's Jeff with the horrific haircut story and we have jeff r rogers on the line jeff r rogers yes what does the r stand for rambunctious i thought it stood for rickets ah i changed it legally but i was wrong Legally changed to rambunctious. Jeff Rogers, um, 
joining us on the Simply Human podcast. Thanks for joining hey, us, hey, Jeff. Yeah. Pleasure uh, to be here, Mark. Yeah, well, we're just going to go ahead and do some in in uh, audio editing, and just we're just going to go with this. I'm not going to edit this. We're just going to do this. Okay. So, I think we had discussed a story to be told for once on the humans being hu- human segment that does not involve pooping in your pants. <laughs> well, actually, it kind of does. <laughs> We're yeah. keeping the streak alive. Yeah. Okay. And we just, did we ever figure out who who told us this story? Was it Dylan or was it... Like, I thought... I thought it might have been Dylan. Yeah. Okay. One of Dylan's friends. Uh huh. Okay. And so, what you let's just sort of try to put our heads together and see if we can't recall this story. And Halen is walking in, and Halen, this is a good one for you to hear. (laughs) So there was a okay. So what I remember there was, I guess if 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 we are deciding that it was one of Dylan's friends, it was one of Dylan's friends in high school, and started out with a a paper, a safety pin. Right? Yeah, because he, peer, he, like, back before, you know, the, the nipple piercing thing was just for girls, um, or maybe during that time, yeah, I think the guy used a safety pin to try to pierce his own nipple. Smart. So already we're starting out with knowing that whoever this was was a not Genius. bright individual. Yeah. Yes. He succeeded in piercing his own nipple and putting in a uh, in a ring, as I as I recall. As we all have done at some point. Oh yeah, that's pretty common, right? (laughs) So he went to school the next day, um, I think, and uh, he was just experiencing some some sharp pains from his nipple ring, which discomfort is discomfort. (laughs) So. Which that's probably to be expected, but kept getting worse and worse. And then he noticed that um, there was it looked to be infected. He had a, a couple friends confirm that, and so he went ahead and took the nipple ring out. And uh, the first smart and, thing that he's done since the story began. Yes, yeah, the most intelligent thing so far. So as I recall, he was in the bathroom. And uh, sort of trying to clean off this at school infected infected nipple. Yeah, uh, I think there was oozing things and it was quite nasty. So probably um, a lot like a, what a lactating nipple would look like, except yes. not the the fluid of of life. No, no, the, it was the more fluid of infection fluid and death, of <laughs> infection and disease. <laughs> <laughs> Pouring out of this poor yes. man's nipple. Do not feed that to a baby. <laughs> no, no, highly, yeah, that would be bad. Okay. So he was standing there, and it just really, really was hurting him, and uh, he was kind of getting nervous. And he looked down, saw this, you know, um, looked like a hair. Uh, yeah, as uh, as as many pubescent boys have, sort of. Uh, m- Mammoth, not mammoth. What's the word? Just sort of these crazy hairs just just poke up. Kind of everywhere. So in the middle of this crazy pain and noticed this hair, except his, this hair was white. It like really freaked him out because it was this white hair kind of 
growing out of the side of his nipple. And so he's like, that's, that's not going to do. So he got a pair of uh, scissors. As I recall from the story, he was just going to trim that puppy. <laughs> maybe I'm thinking, I was remembering like it was like a, maybe like a Swiss army knife scissors. Yeah. Like little yeah. Scissors. Like exactly. Something like, not like a normal pair of, I think it was, yeah. A Swiss army knife or, or something might even been like fingernail clippers or whatever he had. Some type of cutting device. Some type of cutting device is going to snip that weird white hair off. Gray hair nipple. Yeah, so he was like, this is weird. So he did. He snipped it. And at the moment of the snipping, uh, the hair, you know, fell to the ground. But before it hit the ground, this this poor man. Boy. Lost all. Boy. Lost all control of his bowels. And Front and back. Time, yes, it vomited all over himself. It all happened in an explosion of fluids, and he passed right out and landed on the bathroom floor in a in a puddle of his own mink. So the the hair is cut, and within less than a second, he has he has messed himself, urinated on himself, vomited himself, passed out, and is on the floor. Boom. Yes. Yes. Because and that's where. Because tell everyone what happened. <laughs> well, that's yeah. They found him on the floor, and they they discovered what happened. And upon learning the events, they discovered that that was not a weird old man, white hair. That was definitely a nerve ending. His nerve ending. So he cut <laughs> a nerve ending right off of his body which never it makes me like tunnel vision i start to almost pass out when i think about (laughs) that oh oh my goodness and i we need to maybe follow up with dylan and find out and maybe have said nerve ending cutter man on the show to confirm the story that would be great I know. I actually did some research to see if that was like a weird urban legend that's been passed down. That yeah. like is a story that is every you know a lot of people know about, or something that's been that's fake or something. But kind of, kind of like the hook in the car handle kind of a story. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And but what, I couldn't what did find you find? Anything, so. Nothing. Okay. Good. So oh. for all we know, it is still an original, it's legit, epic story. I need to ask so, Dylan about it. Yeah, so the hopefully we can have Dylan on the humans being humans. I know he has several incredible stories. Oh yeah. Well, uh, Jeff, thank you, and we hope that you enjoyed this edition of Humans Being Human and the Nerve Ending. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jeff. We'll have to get him back on again soon. He is a funny guy. Now it's time for the Simply Human tip of the week. It's something you can start doing right now to be a more healthy human. This week's tip has to do with the enjoy life pillar of the Simply Human lifestyle and mitigating stress. Here we go. When you're driving, when you're behind the wheel of your car, pretend like every other driver on the road is your grandmother. Okay? Now that would be super weird for me since both of my grandmothers are no longer living, so that would be more of a horrifying driving experience, but you get the idea. Uh, You wouldn't give your grandma the bird or speed up just to cut your grandma off, right? So you'd say, ah, grandma, 
You're such a bad driver. You can't see. But you're old, and I sure do love you, right? So give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Assume that anyone who cuts you off or does anything preposterous to you, like change lanes when you weren't expecting them to, just pretend like they're, if not your grandmother, an older relative. Just take a deep breath. Don't get super mad. Just relax. I have a really hard time with this. Uh, so this is what I try to do. Actually, I have the, a practice of physically saying I like, out loud, I forgive you when someone does something horrible to me, like accelerating into my lane or not having their blinker on. The nerve of some people. So there it is. Relax when you're driving. Pretend all other drivers are your grandmother or any old relative, and you will have a longer life. So... Thanks for listening to this edition of the Simply Human Podcast. Coming up next time, it's episode nine of the Simply Human Podcast in an interview with the paleo coach and my coach, whether he likes it or not, Jason Seib. You can find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. There are links to the Facebook page, YouTube channel, the Simply Human Kids page, all on the website. Follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52. Questions, concerns, or comments can be emailed to simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. Please leave a, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, good or bad. Any publicity is good publicity. So that'll do it for this edition of the Simply Human Podcast. And remember, probably a lot like a, what a lactating nipple would look like, except yes. not the, the fluid of, of life. No, no. It was the fluid more of infection fluid and death. Of <laughs> infection and disease. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, enjoy yourself. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.